I'm Frederick Gerton, and I'm the filmmaker. And I'm Leilani Farha, and I'm the advocate. So, hello over there in Ottawa. How is, how is life? Life is busy. Yeah. Lots I'm, going on. I'm here in, in, in Malmo, Sweden, and everything is soft and nice, and nobody's stressing anywhere, so it's good. That's so sweet. But I'm happy that you keep working. <laughs> you are a hardworking woman. You're really, I mean, you're a, the special one. You've been the special. UN Special Rapporteur for six years, working your ass off, and and now you're the Global Director for the Shift. So has your workday shifted in some way? No. No. It's Well, it's this pandemic, I think, has caused lots of problems for housing and homeless people. So my work is uh, is ongoing, but also because the shift, everyone loves the shift. A lot of people want to be part of the shift, so I have to be busy growing it. Good. So yeah. we're, we're proud. So what are we going to talk about today in our pushback talks? Mm. Can I say the title? Yes. Yeah. Shoot the messenger to kill the message. Mm. It's pretty heavy. It's heavy because it's about, it's about crisis management. It's about shifting the focus away from stories that should be told. That's right. In our time in history... The techniques of shifting away the focus from the real stories are like so strong. I mean, I think the whole existence of, of Trump is the is a whole, you know, he's so good at making people talk about him. Even the people who hate him talk about him instead yeah. of talking about the real issues that we should talk about, like climate change. That's right. He's ushered in a whole new era of changing the message changing the narrative and keeping it where he wants it to be. He's a master. He is a master at that. In 2016, there was the year he was campaigning for, for mm-hmm. the presidency. Uh, th- that was like the first year we could really measure that that was a real climate change. The right. same year that he was running that campaign, the reporting in American TV about global warming went down 66% in, in the U.S. TV. So when people were talking about the skin color of Donald Trump, we stopped talking about the climate. So we should remember this. If we want to change the world, we have to stay focused. That's right. Indeed. Anything going on with our friends Oatly? I don't really know what happens inside Oatly. I think Mm. they're in some kind of bigger brand crisis because they Mm -hmm. built the love and passion for the brand with, with people who actually want to change the world. And then suddenly when Blackstone becomes a major owner of them and also the Chinese, big Chinese companies becoming big owners, the whole identity of the company is, is like going down. Right. But now, and I, I noticed that some of my tweets and some of my, and our, our podcast, the podcast we made about Blackstone, is like, it's shooting up. It's uh, so many listeners. So people are really looking for arguments to understand what the hell is going on? Why? Why our friends at Oatly? Why are you doing this? And of course, people want to know who is who's Blackstone, yeah, because it's exactly. also this is like it is kind of a, a brand that is it's actually the biggest company on the planet, but we don't really know who they are. 
Blackstone, so, you mean? Yeah. Blackstone, not the Oatly. Absolutely. Blackstone. No. Oatly, <laughs> yeah. so small. Yeah, little did yeah. they know what would happen yeah. when they made uh, a deal with the devil. Sad story. Frederick, what listeners may not know about you is that you have had in your history a big encounter on the very issue of shifting narratives when you go after a certain brand. Do you want to tell us a bit about that? In 2009, I was premiering a film called Bananas. Uh, Bananas is a film where we follow a lawsuit in, in Los Angeles where banana workers from Nicaragua are suing Dole. Dole is the biggest fruit company on the planet. And they also have 25% of, of the banana work, the world banana market. Mm. But they were suing them for the use of a banned pesticide that made a worker sterile. So I was following this, this court case. And I mean, we, when we released the trailer, it took 24 mm. hours and we received a cease and desist letter from Dole saying, stop the film, take down the website, you know, take down the trailer, go away. Don't show anything, anything more. <laughs> and we were selected to, you know, one of seven films to compete at the LA Film Festival, $50,000 in reward. We were so happy. And boom, I thought, you know, I actually honestly thought, wow, now I will have some really powerful friends, you know, taking this struggle <laughs> together with, with the whole, with Hollywood will come on my side. That Did you really I, think that? You uh, really yeah, thought you know, I'm that? Yeah. Swedish, we are naive yeah. people, you know. <laughs> we believe that people can be good. And of course, what happened? Not. Not. No. And Dole had they had a PR company. This PR company had made a strategy and the strategy was to to point at the main character of my film, uh, a Cuban-American lawyer, to say he was a crook. He mm. had bribed the, the witness, the workers, everybody was lying. And he was, they were selling that story to the media. And this sold it was so big success. So I, I arrived to LA defending myself towards journalists who hadn't seen my film. So whenever they interviewed me, they say, have you seen the film? It doesn't matter, you, they are, you're lying in the film, no. Have you, please watch the film. No. So they, were, they, they got so much attention and they really made me like, they put me in a defensive seat. It was really scary. I can, I can only imagine. I have lots of questions for you, but one thing that's super cool that you did was you then made a film about being sued by Dole called Big Boys Gone Bananas which just every time I hear the title just makes me laugh. It's such a clever title. Because they went bananas, totally. I mean, it they was... They went totally bananas. I guess when I, you know, I was about to go to the U.S., what will happen? I don't know. They will probably, mm. you know, give me a lawsuit in my hand at some moment. So I think the only thing, the way I can protect myself is having a camera team around me all the time so that we at least can oh, get yeah. the papering on, <laughs> on film. <laughs> so I suppose. It started like a little, you know, I didn't really know what that film was were going. Right. But then uh, later on, I understood that this film was not about to be about Dole. It was, should actually be a film about how do big companies do when they want to shift the focus away from a bad story. You right. know... This I said crisis management. Every PR company on the world, you know, they have on their on the services list is 
crisis management. And that means a crisis is a report from scientists saying that there is poison in this, you can get cancer. It can be this salad is grown on occupied territories in Palestine. You know, it can be mm. many different things. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, you, you, need to you need to handle this. It can also be an NGO publishing a, a report on something. It can be a UN special rapporteur saying a story. And then you will, you will get crisis management. And, and that's very much a 24-7 service. And then you get really skilled, smart people up against you. Mm. So it's and it's for you working by yourself and me working like a very small team. It's it's really hard to handle. But I Absolutely. think we should listen to one clip from the film. What do you yeah, say? Yeah, I think that would I think that's a good idea. Dole Foods is suing a Swedish filmmaker for wanting to show a fraudulent documentary slamming the company. I think you're being a little bit naive if you think that you can take a pop at a big multinational and expect to walk away without some sort of fight on your hands. I want to say I'm not connected with Dole in any way, but I do object to the antics of publicity-hungry filmmakers like Gurton. They spend millions on their brand every year, and you're going to come in and start sullying their brand and start attacking their brand. What did you think was going to happen? you as a producer have a duty to the truth scary moments i mean the the the, the last part of this is actually an anonymous letter sent to my producer margaret Yongord, and they basically advised her to distance herself from me yes crazy i mean that's a divide and conquer exactly yeah. and and when dole sued us they sued me personally margaret personally and the company yeah. So they really tried, and then they didn't sue our co-producers and others, so they, they kind of isolated us like a little group under a lot of stress, but right. still tried to divide within us. Really smart and scary, but they were not successful. In that clip, we hear this expert saying, you know, you took on a major multinational you took a shot at them or something, he says. What did you think would happen? And I, I want to put that question to you. When you were making Bananas, did it, did it cross your mind as a, a filmmaker that, that you would be put in this position of um, being basically, you know, assaulted by this multinational and that undermined and that they would try to stop your film from getting out? Like, would, did that cross your mind? To be honest not mm. so maybe i'm stupid maybe i'm naive but he you know naive. in in in, <laughs> in that courtroom where we were following the case mm -hmm. la times was there bloomberg was there there was a lot of other journalists reporting the same story right. so i know i didn't think they would come after us yes they stood us because they wanted to scare us away of course but they also maybe they wanted to show some other people around that don't mess with us because then we will smack you I don't know. A part of this lawsuit was also the story they sold to the media. Exactly. And that story was so successful. Well, we heard it in the clip. I, I actually found it shocking listening to that clip. I think it's from CTV, a Canadian television news company, where in his, you know, his, his lead sentence, he refers to your documentary as a fraudulent documentary that had not been determined by anyone but whom 
Dole. That was yeah. Dole's messaging. Yeah. And I have to say, Frederick, before doing the podcast, I just did a little search. I just wanted to see what was out there. I'd never actually, believe it or not, in our many years now of friendship, I actually had never Googled this issue just to see what narrative was out there at the time. And I was shocked. Headline after headline, news story after news story, and not just in Canada, but certainly in the States. All over the world. Also in Latin America, in Spanish. Yeah. Dole's narrative won, basically. It was a well-told story. You know, right. they created a story about a fraudulent lawyer and a sloppy filmmaker. It was like right. a, a funny story. Yeah. So this Canadian morning host, for him it was like a joke. You know, it was like a fun story to tell your friends at dinner about. You know, have you heard yeah. about this filmmaker? He made a film, blah, blah, blah. You know, this do-gooders. You know, so it's, yeah. it's, it's a, it was really successful. And we were totally taken by, we, we had no idea this was happening. Right. One of the things that I really love about Big Boys Gone Bananas is it actually is, I mean, it's very much about your experiences with Dole, but it is a microcosm of a thing that happens out there, that mm. happens to a lot of human rights defenders, a lot of people just trying to tell the truth or a truth. Um, and I'm interested to know what tactics did they use against you specifically and had you anticipated that that they would come after you th in the way that they did? Hmm. I mean, beyond, I mean, obviously they were telling a story, but I think there were other tactics. You mentioned the divide and conquer. There were, there were so many different parts of it. First one was that they actually contacted every journalist that interviewed me. So they were calling journalists personally. Mm -hmm. right. So a lot of Swedish journalists got calls, even smaller than, you know, uh, outlets got calls from Dole. And, and and then all over the world, so it was that was like, and they were then they were really friendly, you know. Mm. I won't compare this with Oatly, but Oatly is doing, they're doing this friendly thing. They are contacting right. people, selling their version of it in a friendly way and in, in a very nice way, and and I, that's 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 fine because they're they're also they're still nice people. Of course, then I mean then we have these covered things that we don't really know, you know, mm. the the anonymous letters, you know. Somebody following me in Twitter, and the and the tag is "follow you in LA." You know, <laughs> it's like oh I, I had a lot of this kind of scary Whoa. stuff, uh, and then of course they bought my name on Google. So what do you mean? You know, on Google you can buy buy an ad name. Right. You know, you can buy uh, Dole, you can buy Blackstone, right. and then. If you buy a big name, you, it will be extremely expensive. But if you if you buy my name, it's probably quite cheap as an ad word. What's the impact of that? Like they buy your name and then... It, it meant that whenever somebody was typing my name, there will be an ad from Dole coming up really high up. <laughs> so it meant even oh. in our on our own trailer, you know, on YouTube, on Vimeo, there was a Dole ad coming after us. And they, they kept that for two years. Whenever you, so when LA Times had a, an interview with me, there was a Dole ad coming up, you know, in, on the page. Wow. wow. That's what you can do with money. Yeah. And you, you could, we could never turn it around. Right. We couldn't buy their name, you know. So it's, it's, this is like, it's a very unfair way of, <laughs> of handling it. And Absolutely. then, of course, there was, 
one of the, the Swedish biggest Swedish daily, Dagens Nyheter. Uh, you know, they had this commentary track. They don't have it so much anymore, but the commentary track under articles. And they and they had a special firm handling in this because, you know, they have to kick out things that are are against the law. But that company said, here is something going on which is an organized thing. So they, that's what you call astroturfing. They actually, oh, okay. you have like fake brand advocates, fake advocates right. who are out writing. And because, and you can, if you know a little bit about, you can see the talking points. Because right. all PR people, they work with talking points. So you can see it's coming again and again and again. So it's fraudulent lawyer, you know. It's, and here in the Swedish media, the film wasn't out. So nobody in Sweden had seen the film. Right. But then the talking point was very much about scenes from the film. Oh, interesting. So like talk about seizing the narrative. I mean, yeah. completely seizing the narrative. Amazing. But it wasn't so successful in my country, though. Yeah. I, no, it wasn't. But before we get there, I, I just want to ask you, you yourself, um, before being a documentary filmmaker, were a longtime journalist. And I'm interested to know what you think about the role of journalists in this. Are, did, don't, do they have any control? How much control do they have? Um, we could maybe play a clip from the film. I think we have... Uh, a clip ab about that issue, yeah. The thing that was most surprising about the media coverage of the suit that came out against you was how easily you were a fraud and Dole was wronged and the banana company was fighting for justice. And no reporter should ever take that at face value. We have a astounding lack of curiosity on the part of the journalism community in the US, um, a lack of skepticism. These journalists failed in their job. They took a press release and reprinted it, basically. They didn't do any due diligence, and that is even more shameful than the film festival disavowing you. We have a media that is corrupted by power, mostly by corporate power. You have corporate ownership from the top. You have corporate advertising coming in from the side. We have a media that is where advertising and money and corporate influence is really the mother's milk. The reality is that the media is much more willing to take down stories when a company comes to them and say, listen, uh, don't write that story now because you're going to look stupid. Uh, and we will go out with a massive denial and we'll go after your media organization as well. I know of global corporations in the US who have threatened to pull advertising from the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, because they don't like the editorial coverage. So there isn't uh, as much investment in investigative journalism as there was in the past. Um, journalism itself is under threat. Journalism itself is under threat. There was Tim Burt, he's a strategic and reputational expert in London. He's a former Financial Times reporter, but he, as he, self, as he says in the film, he went over to the dark side. <laughs> and then, but it, I, so I, I met these people. Also, the other guy, mm. Sven Hughes, who is also former military, British military, also told me ah. about how, how they, they operate. Because when a big company like Blackstone or Dole, when they, when they want to go to fight something, they bring in the best people, of course. And then mm. they, all these firms, they have different kind of experts and different kind of, you know, 
con networks, you know. So it's also a way of they can they can pull many strings, you know. It's it's uh, it's scary. Mm. I find that the concept that journalists are in the thick of it, in fact, part of the harm rather than part of uncovering the harm. I find that so alarming. I, I have, because in my own work, I have to admit, I use journalists a lot. To, to get the truth out there. I mean, my narrative is not a narrative that people want to listen to, that people care to listen to. It's not mainstream. You know, housing is a human right. Who gives a hoot? Um, and so I rely on journalists a lot. And here's a story and a message to me. You know, remember that in some instances, the the corporate control of media is, is going to be problematic. And of course, it's not every day. You know, it's not no. every day because and what happens to us when Dole went after us, they are so strong and they mm. went after us with so much aggression. So like the L.A. Times, you know, I, I talked to to writers there who really w wanted to do my story, uh, you know, our perspective and, you know, mm. to actually watch the film. <laughs> um, but then the in-house structure said, no, we d we're not doing this. Even The Guardian actually interviewed me. Mm. And I told the reporter, who was then his South American correspondent, told him that this angle you're putting on is not the correct angle. You should you should open it up. It's it, it, this angle is created by a doll food company, and he said, no, no, my lawyers will never accept this. So we will have to run with this angle. The legal departments of these newspapers they're really scared. Yeah, and they yeah. are also lawyers, and the lawyers are always there to to you know to risk minimize minimize the risks you know all the time mm. to protect the the corporations you know i, I mean the, the the newspapers it's understandable but it has an effect on the freedom of speech and the freedom of press which is severe so Absolutely. it's uh, and that's and i would say also that's why documentary films sometimes play a very important role mm -hmm. or bloggers you know or you know that kind of i mean in the we talked in one episode, we talked about the blogger of Malta who got killed, mm -hmm. uh, Daphne, you know, yes. remember? Yes. Uh, she, there was like Malta, there's two major newspapers. One is for the one party and the other is for the right. other party. And so she, she made a blog so she could actually do what she wanted to do all the time. That she had, that platform of the blog became extremely powerful because mm -hmm. nobody was controlling it. So she, I mean, and sometimes a documentary film has the same power also, mm -hmm. which, is, which is interesting. You mentioned bloggers. And in fact, I thought that was interesting too in your situation. It was a blogger in, I think, Malma, yeah. who, in where you're living, who helped to bring down Dole in a way, at least that's how the documentary makes it seem. <laughs> <laughs> Can you talk about him? He's super cool. When Dole sued us, we, I mean, the cease and desist letter came in May. You know the day because it's your birthday, you said yes, before here. May 8th. May 8th. Uh, we got the <laughs> cease and desist letter. The actual lawsuit came after we've been to Los Angeles and it became, you know, early July. July mm -hmm. is like holiday month, nobody's working, you know. And, and, I tried to get attention for it. It was so hard to move. It mm. was really hard to move. There was people, you know, going into the supermarket say, we don't want to buy doll bananas. They're suing Swedish filmmakers. But the story didn't really take off until this blogger 
He went into a hamburger chain here in Malmo, which is called Max Hamburgers, which have like branded themselves, you know, for having Swedish values. So it's more the climate, you know, more climate aware. I mean, how climate aware hamburgers can be, I don't know, but it's, <laughs> they were selling themselves. They were, they were like selling themselves as a very green and responsible alternative. Right. So he wrote to them a letter and said, uh, you have all these good values. How can you sell a fruit seller from Dole? Dole, who is suing a Swedish filmmaker. And then the CEO of the company answers, oh, you're right. Uh, we, from tomorrow, we will, we will take away all Dole fruit sellers. Amazing. And that was like, you know, for them, it was a no business. It was like nothing. It was like yeah. it didn't cost anything on their core business. Right. But then he published that on his blog. I saw it. I sent it to some other journalist and boom, it took off. Right. And then there was a story, a big hamburger chain boycotting Dole. And then the business journalists, which are the, the most important journalists in some cases, they mm -hmm. called the supermarkets and say, okay, so they are boycotting Dole. What are you going to do? And you know, right. in, in every supermarket, bananas is 1% of the sales. Mm. of one shop and this goes for canada for the u.s yeah. almost for right. all over the world it's like it's, it's extremely you know profitable product it yeah. doesn't seem so because it's in the corner but mm. talk to people who work in supermarkets they're filling them up all the time yeah. it's extremely <laughs> yes. good business and it's all done you know produced by exploited labor and with yeah. you know with with killing the, the nature environment totally in a very so i mean but the, for the supermarkets, they don't want to lose that business. So, they, so this this really changed the story here in Sweden. Mm. And this was actually just before we were showing the film in the Swedish Parliament. And and of course, I also when I talked to the parliamentarians, I talked to one guy from the one MP from the Conservative Party and one from the Social Democrats. So it was actually two biggest parties in the, in the in the Parliament. Yeah, because I didn't want. Dole to be able to frame me. Right. They were trying in their astroturfing and everything to frame me as a communist. You know, mm. like they always try to frame you in some way. Yes. And so, so we we managed to avoid and say like freedom of speech, freedom of press, is not about being right wing or mm. left wing. It's like the fundamental thing of a democracy. Mm. I mean, I love the story for a bunch of reasons. The blogger in particular, because, I mean, though he was a blogger, I mean, he's just an average guy. When you see him on the screen, he's just an average guy. And he walks into a burger joint and he doesn't like what's happening. And he makes his voice heard. And he's just one guy. And it triggers this whole thing, which I think is super important for people to realize it does make a difference to voice your values and, and, and to make your values known, which I think is what Oatly is experiencing right now, where people are like, whoa. It's interesting because I, you know, I started to write a tweet and a Facebook commentary about this. And then the newspaper here in Malmö called, do you want to write a story? And I said, oh, yeah, I can do it. Well, I About guess the Oatly I, thing. Yeah, I guess yeah. I have to write a story because I'm, you know, I know a little yeah. bit more about Blackstone and others too. So it was my... Yes. And, well, your responsibility. And, and now, <laughs> you know, I told you last week and it, it took off in the UK. So yeah. now I have influencers with a lot of followers who are posting about our podcast and everybody's listening. And people, I mean, there's a lot of engaged people out there who really want to do something. Mm -hmm. And and uh, and this story pisses people off. 
Or, or people also get really sad because they're losing a friend. Because Oakley has been a friend for a lot of people. So it's, it's, uh, but it's interesting that, we, that one story suddenly can change it. And, and that's complicated for, for, you know, for people like, like Blackstone. And so they don't really know how to handle that. You know, mm -hmm. They can't control a lot of other things. And most of the things on this planet are, is always going their way because they have all the power to do so mm. through, uh, you know, they are supporting political candidates. Uh, they are fighting, you know, we, we know, for example, now in California, there is uh, last election, there was a, a proposition, a proposition about yeah. rent control. That's right. And there will be a new one now coming up. This That's right. Proposition 21 is the new one. And Blackstone sinking millions of dollars in the no campaign, in other words. To, to fight rent control, yeah. That's right, that's right. I mean, Blackstone is an interesting case, Frederick, because, I mean, we've had some pushback from Blackstone since Push was released. Um, maybe you want to talk a bit about that. We haven't had a torrent. They haven't tried to shut us down, but we've had some pushback. I think it's interesting the way they've approached it. They've been they contacted the Swedish consulate in New York, uh, general consulate, when we were showing the film in New York. They contacted the Swedish broadcaster. They contacted the, the parliament, Swedish parliament, when we showed the film in the Swedish parliament. They, they contacted the German and French broadcasters, and so on. So they are they are, and whenever they are doing that, they're doing that through some kind of PR company, you know. So right. it's they're using that kind that that kind of so they. they and of course, they create some kind of stress. But then these broadcasters we work with are still public broadcasters. They are actually still, they have values and they, they don't want to be fooled around by big corporations. So it's, it still works. Mm -hmm. uh, but it might be it might be more complicated in the U.S., for example. That's right. I mean, the film has been on TV in Canada, but not in the U.S. yet. So you never know that's right. how what is behind a no somewhere, you know? No, I, I think that's right. It might get more complicated. And I mean, they did the usual stuff trying to undermine my credentials and she's just a nobody and doesn't really even have a position with the UN, even though I am was the UN rapporteur. Um, I do know that um, there's a book out there that people ought to read called Home Wreckers uh, by a fellow named Aaron Glantz. And Aaron and I have become friendly because we obviously have mutual interest. Uh, obviously, a book about the wrecking of homes would interest me. He actually, in his book, goes into some detail about Bla the way in which Blackstone used the global financial crisis to make a huge amount of money and really has caused misery for so many households and families and goes goes into some depth, some st real stories of, of the harm Blackstone has caused. Aaron has been targeted by Blackstone. They have tried to shut him down. So maybe when Push is released in the U.S., we will have to um, be prepared for some other treatment by them. Uh, who knows? I hope not, because it's. I I I think it's the lesson that I mean. You you should actually, friends, you should watch Big Boys Come Bananas because it, it's an interesting story. Because in the end, Dole Food Company lost a lot of business here in in Sweden. Fair trade bananas went from five percent of the market to over fifty. So it it totally shifted the market in a very radical way, and Dole had a big problems of getting their bananas sold in this country for a long time. So it's, it, it can also be a mistake going after a film. Sometimes, and I think that's 
probably how Blackstone reasoned. They don't want to give us any extra attention. <laughs> yeah, that might that might be right. That's uh, always a little, there's some risk connected to that. Yeah, I think I think that's true. I I really love in um Big Boys and I do I agree actually everyone should see Bananas and Big Boys and see them together. It's pretty it's an amazing ride. Let's do let's I have a suggestion here because we you know the films, uh, all our films, are you can be found on Vimeo On Demand through our website, wgfilm.com. Uh, and then you can find our films. But we will now have, for everybody who's listening to this, if you, uh, you put in the discount, push back. And then you will get a 25% oh. discount. So you can actually... Watch the nice films offer. Now. Nice yeah, offer. Pushback. I think we should throw in some conditions. You have to listen to pushback talks, give us a five star <laughs> review, give to our Patreon account. Patreon, and then you get yeah. Patreon, Patreon. We actually account. have Patreon people helping <laughs> us now. Thank you for all Patreons out there. It's it's we're not we're a little bit uh, embarrassed. It's it's cool. And and tell us we, we still don't know how to to pay back. We you have to give us suggestions how we should do something that will make you extra proud to be a patron. Uh, <laughs> and But I mean, to all of you out there, it, we, this it's done without any budget, uh, which is a little bit stressful in the long run. But so the, the thing you can do for us now is, of course, put some money into the patron account, but you can also just spread the news about our podcast. Tell your friends, uh, tweet about it, Facebook about it, you know, whatever you do with people. Call them. I said they should listen to this. <laughs> no one because calls I, anyone I, I, anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I honestly believe that if we want to change the world, we have to do that with knowledge. And and we are trying to, I mean, we are kind of good at drinking wine and having fun also. But this podcast is more about getting knowledge out. And as Absolutely. you are a global expert uh, on on a lot of stuff, I think your voice is so important to get out. So that's knowledge is power. Knowledge is power. It is actually. That's why they try to shut us down. <laughs> yeah, but this, you know, we we talked about shifting the focus. I have to say one mm -hmm. thing that is really interesting. Yeah. You know, in two thousand eight, that's we've been talking about two thousand eight, the, the the Great Recession, the big financial crisis. When that went down, mm -hmm. I felt. Okay, finally, people will understand how irresponsible the banks are, the financial market. Suddenly, finally, we will, we will regulate them. We will find a way to force them to be more responsible. And now what PUSH is about is that the financial crisis 2008 made guys like Blackstone 10 times stronger. And they yes. took over the, the, the worst guys in 2008 are the ones who are now owning our homes. Yes. They didn't own our homes before 2008. They do it now. Mm -hmm. So, and I think that's a little bit also about all these crisis management, all the lobbying coming in. How do we solve the crisis? How do we get the nations up going again? Here in Europe, everybody talked about Greece. Oh, mm -hmm. it's Greece. The Greeks are irresponsible. You yes. know, that was the big talk. So they shifted the focus away from the banks mm -hmm. and made us all talk about a lovely country with, with uh, moussaka and retzina yes. wine, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and 
and they kind of suddenly they were the the the, the guilty guys for all that for all the suffering and then they sold to many nations they said okay you can you can get some money from IMF or the European Central Bank but then you have to cut uh, public funding you have to cut uh, you have to liberalize your market you have to market, open up right. your your housing sector for for external investors yes so they actually the measures to save the, the economy was extremely let's call it neoliberal mm-hmm. so they actually they actually through their lobbying they they changed the rules of the game even more in their favor Mm-hmm. So this, and we should remember this in in this pandemic and 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 all the the packages going out now, that the people who are most active are the, these guys. So let's listen to this clip where we can understand how big money is operating in the in how to change opinions out there. Mm. I now understand that I'm up against a huge machine employing scare tactics, media control, PR spin and dirty tricks. These lobbying and public relation firms provide a variety of services. Among the services that some of these firms provide is to actually plant opinion pieces, or what we call op-eds, in American newspapers. They have people on staff who do nothing but sit around all day and write up an opinion piece. Then they'll go out to a think tank or to a university and recruit someone there with a big name to put their name on the piece. And then they will plant the piece in an American newspaper. That was uh, Ken Silverstein, a former New Yorker journalist, who made mm-hmm. some amazing... He, actually, he did a very cool story where he said to big PR firms in Washington that he represented an oil, a gas company from uh, in the former Soviet Union. And he, right. he wanted their help to pitch to the U.S. to sell them well. Right. So he went and they bought into it. So they, they came and pitched their abilities to him. So amongst this was this, we can, we can get professors to sign oh, in for I you see. and so on. So that was a, company, a country that needed to, right. to get a better image in, in Washington, D.C. So, so you can look at Ken Silverstein's writing. Mm. It's, it's, an, it's an amazing story. This, this idea makes me so mad. I fight hard to get my opinion pieces in newspapers. And, you know, other people are buying their way, their opinions in um, it's well, so right. interesting they, they, they to get me. paid to do to, they get paid to, put, to do it to that's put right. their name on it I mean yeah. it's just it's just ama- it's amazing to me but it also I mean I'm an advocate as we know and I'm always trying to figure out how to be better at my job and I've the, the whole idea of the shift was to try to claim some narrative space at a global level to say there's a different story to be told about housing. And so just thinking, thinking this through, it's like, wow, look at what we are up against, right? The, the machine, their machinery has tentacles everywhere, right into paying people to write op-eds that get published in papers that I'm scrambling around and pleading and begging to get into, right? Yeah. But I think, I mean, overall, we as a general public... First of all, we shouldn't be afraid to tell the story. I mean, freedom of speech and freedom of press is in our constitution, so we have to use it. You asked me if mm-hmm. I wasn't scared. We cannot be scared. We have to tell. We have to keep telling important stories, mm. 
And we also should know that there's a lot of smart, cool people out there listening to us and taking part and also sharing sharing these stories. So I think we should we should all keep sharing important stories, voices of people, you know, and and stop sharing stupid things. You, you know, <laughs> stop sharing whatever Trump or Bolsonaro says because it's always juicy, but it's it's supposed to be juicy. Mm. So we yeah. should we should keep talking about our things. I mean, also now in we're talking about the U.S. election. Everybody talks about the ratings of Trump and Biden. Let's focus on what happens on the streets in the U.S. Mm -hmm. What happens in the homes? You know, that's that's the almost like the untold stories. Why are people so angry? We actually have an episode, one of our early episodes here in the uh, podcast is about why people are so angry. We should talk about the real stuff. But we should probably keep doing that in a new ep episode. episode. I think <laughs> that's right. We're running we're talking over time. Too much. Yeah. That's right. So anyway, but so my films, Bananas and Big Boys Gone Bananas, can be found on wgfilm.com, and so there. And then there is a Vimeo links, and then if you put in pushback, and and then you will get some discount. If you if you have some troubles doing that, write to us pushback at wg gfilm.se pushback at wgfilm.se write to us Got you it. can also tweet us tweet uh, me frederick gerton tweet the dear advocate leilani farah and uh, you can all you know, there's also push the film there is make the shift.org there's all these resources and let's let's keep let's keep fighting you know let's keep talking okay I'll do Is that, that okay? Yeah, sounds good. And uh, and I'm sorry for you that you have so much work all the time, because you know, and also the time, the six-hour time difference is complicated because now I can go out for a glass of wine and you have to keep working. And I have to face the day. <laughs> yeah. Oh well. That's that's My your job. problem. That's your problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but talk soon, and talk and, soon, and stay strong because we Thanks. need you. 